Hello, welcome to this week's episode of the Empowered Artist Collective podcast. My name is Jennifer Apple, she, her, and this week I talk to Lauren Knoll. Lauren and I have known each other through many seasons of our lives, and I have her on to talk about the transition from really being theater-focused into film work. As you will hear, Lauren is someone who is incredible at setting goals, is really great with structure, and has really put the pedal to the metal in acting, writing, producing, directing her own work. Lauren shares her experience with her first short film called Honor, the projects that have come after. She's candid about her learning. She shares tools that were helpful that she found along the way and mindsets to keep you honest with yourself throughout your journey and the ways in which you can surround yourself with other artists who can lift you up and teach you on the job. So without further ado, enjoy. Hi, welcome. Hi, Hi, Lauren. Thanks for having me. (laughs) I'm so excited that you are here. Me Um, too. This is, this is like, I feel like our friendship has taken some like interesting, longer, weird turns through all of this. So it's so great to have you in this capacity and also just like in this moment. Thanks. No, same. I feel like maybe that's just like getting older. Yeah. (laughs) You're just like, wow. Like you have these friends from different parts of your life and lives just change. Yeah like so so much yes if you've known someone for a decade like you've probably known them through a couple of different lifetimes yeah and I mean it has I feel like it has to have been a decade at this point or almost right yeah because I'm trying to think when I was like in New York and in class yeah yeah 20 like 2013 maybe 20 so coming up yep 2013 2014 oh And we auditioned for grad school together. We did. That was a thing. That That was was totally a thing. Gosh, yeah, yeah, like lifetimes. Mm -hmm. Well, tell the listener who you are today. Hi. (laughs) Hi, I'm Lauren Knoll. I am, uh, I'm, uh, gosh, this is what we're here to talk about. This is what we're here to talk about. (laughs) What is my identity? (laughs) Um, I'm an actor uh, and, and that's what I have done most of my life um, in various mediums. Uh, But now I am also a filmmaker, which includes um, producing, writing, and directing in terms of sort of overall creating my own content. Which is literally why you're here, because (laughs) we were talking about this before we even press record, but it's just so, you know, I feel like I've been such a cheerleader from afar watching all of your stuff and the amount of projects that you are churning out and the ways in which you are showing up and creating. And it's for me, I'm I'm super pumped for you and just like cheerleading on the side. But that's, I mean, you know, obviously the inner workings of it all is a totally different experience, which is (laughs) what I imagine we'll chat about. But, you know, you've been doing so, so much. And I guess, obviously, you have lived a life prior to, you know, putting on the filmmaker multi-hatted human self. But mm-hmm. I guess in in your shortened version, like, what brought you to be doing that now? I, jeez, uh, I wish I had, like, a really super clear answer for that. I mean, I just feel like it was just kind of the ride that my life took. Uh, but you know, I, when I met you, um, we were both really focused on musical theater. Um, 
I sing too, and it's not something I do a lot of anymore, though I miss it. And I'm sure I'll do a musical again at some point in my life. Um, but that, that was sort of my initial, uh, pursuit in terms of after I left like a smaller market and moving to a bigger city and graduating from college with my BFA, I uh, went to New York and pursued musical theater. Um, and film acting, I think I started taking like um, Heidi Marshall's screen acting mm -hmm. class while I was there because my agent at the time recommended me when I mentioned to her that I was interested in being represented for um, for like, you know, TV and film as well. And um, so, I, you know, I sort of like had that planted. I, the most I'd really ever done was maybe like a student film when I was yeah. in college, but it was very super theater focused. Um, which to be honest, I think that's because formal acting training is so theater focused. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, after spending a few years in New York and feeling like, I don't know, like kind of like I was hitting a wall though, if I look back, I'm not sure that I was, um, mm -hmm. but you know, I, I just thought, okay, you know what? I've had this kind of goal to go get my MFA for some time. I thought about it, you know, earlier after graduating, um, from undergrad and it just sort of re-entered my mind when I was in New York and it just felt like, um, something that I wanted to do to sort of like refocus. Uh, cause I, I, I'd sort of like let the survival lifestyle of that New York hustle just like sort of wear on me. And, yeah. and I was just looking for a reset and, and a place to like immerse. Yeah. Um, and so for me, I chose a very expensive master's program. I don't think you have to do that yes. to have the experience that I did while I love it. And I'm grateful for my training. Um, you know, that was just what I did at that time. And so I, I went through some life changes during that time. Um, uh, you know, I had a very major relationship in my life and during that time. And it was just sort of this moment of rebirth anyway. And so I sort of surprised myself by coming to LA rather than going back to New York after I graduated from that program. Yeah. Um, and then in doing so, that is like immediately sort of a, a switch in mm -hmm. uh, focus um, from stage to screen, though there is some theater in LA and I have done some theater in LA. Um, you know, it's, it's more of a film for sure industry here. So, uh, so in doing so, I, I, um, I just started, you know, auditioning. I managed to find some representation out of my uh, showcase and, you know, they started submitting me and I was auditioning and I was like feeling pretty proud of my auditions, but also <laughs> it was just hitting that wall then of like, Oh, I've spent my whole career up to this point building a resume for theater. And I don't really have a resume for film and TV. Right. And um, even where I was getting great feedback on my work, it was just kind of like they were like, oh, but we went with somebody who, you know, had some films under her belt or had some current TV credits, whatnot, blah, blah, blah. So it became clear to me and everybody said this. They're like, well, you've got to create your own work. You've got to make your own stuff. And I was like, <laughs> I went to school for acting for yeah. like however many years, two degrees yes. later. I didn't go to film school. And, you know, having been someone who had two degrees, I'm very like, that's my way into something is like a class and a test and a this and now mm -hmm. I know it and so just to like learn this whole other uh you know multiple skill sets actually yeah. I I I just I was feeling like super overwhelmed by it for so for the longest time I didn't I was like well I'm not a writer I'm an actor I'm not a director I'm an actor I'm not a blah 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 I'm an actor so I don't know what to do and then finally one day I was like 
stop. Just stop doing What it. was that moment? Like what made you have the stop moment? Um, was there was a particular probably, moment? I don't I know. Probably, it was probably another audition or something like that that mm-hmm. I felt like super great and felt like I'd gotten some good feedback and maybe had moved like a little bit in a certain direction with it. And then it ultimately came down again to like, got to have the credits, need the footage, need the this and that. And I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. I'm just yeah. going to make something. Um, and so initially that, that became that, that started as sort of a vehicle, I guess, mm-hmm. for myself to just have, um, some materials, you know what I mean? That I thought might help me as an actor. And then I sort of, uh, it took over like here's cause at the end of the day, like I, I saw this film, um, at dances with films recently and it was, um, it was sort of a, it was about this writer who was sort of on this sort of pursuit and like this one hit writer. And he had um, taken this retreat to try and write something else that mattered. And there was this idea that was like, okay, what do you want to be like, what's your real goal? Is it to be seen as a writer? Is it to be like giving the appearance of being a writer or do you have something to say? Mm. Right. And so I think, I think that was what ultimately happened because the first thing that I wrote um, was just bigger than me. It was bigger than myself as an actor. It was bigger than, you know, I did, I did play the lead role in it. And, you know, that was sort of my initial motivation to be honest, was just to give myself something to do, something to work on as an actor. But, um, but the story just became like, it turned out there was something to say. Yeah. And I think that that is super important. And then when, when that happens, other things fall into place. And um, sometimes you're not the like the right person for a certain role or for whatever. And then you can like reach out to your community and, yeah. um, and, and fill it in the way that best serves the, the story, yeah. which is then in turn the best thing that serves like the audience that will receive it and how yeah. it will impact their lives. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that first piece? Because it yeah. is awesome. <laughs> oh, so it's called Honor. And it's a 15-minute short film. Um, and I wrote the script primarily in a writing class. So that's what I did. Again, me, school, school, school type. Yeah. You don't have to be that way. But I signed up for a class. When I decided I wanted to make something, I was like, well, let me get in a writing class. And, was it a screenwriting um, class or just like a writing, a general a, writing? Uh, a screenwriting class, yeah. Cool. Uh, so my teacher, uh, Olivia Quartero Briggs, um, was instrumental in sort of, I, I don't know. I, it's just like if somebody is like, tomorrow, come back with three pages and it needs to, this is the exercise. Like we're working, do you remember when you like, I mean, I, I don't know if all of the audience of this podcast will have this experience, but like if you're in an intro acting class and you start doing these like little scenes and every time they're like introducing a new thing, like this one is room conflict. So now you already have to have, you know, your objective and your tactics and that's already built in. But now we want to work with like something that's going on in the environment that would potentially be an obstacle for you. Mm -hmm. It was things like that. It was like kind of, you, you do that in learning screenwriting too. It's like building in conflict. And so we would have these like little assignments and, 
you know, I learned about the structure of a screenplay. And I do think whether you take a class or not, or like learn from say picking up a book or just talking to a friend of yours who studied screenwriting, um, it's, uh, it is good to know the rules so that you can choose to break them. Correct. Um, you know, like it, it'll just set you up for more success if you understand that like a story needs conflict. You know what I mean? A, a protagonist mm -hmm. needs a flaw, you know, things like that. So I, I signed up for a class and I ultimately, I, um, did you I have this even, idea going into it? No. So that's the thing. I okay. knew I wanted to write a film that I was going to make. And then, um, at this point, gosh, it was before COVID. So this would have been, cause we shot this in 2019. In December of 2019, thank God. Wow, we shot it in December of 2019. But um, we, so in April of that year, my alma mater, uh, my undergrad alma mater, which is uh, BYU Brigham Young University, which is a um, Mormon church-owned university, um, there were students there that started protesting the honor code office on campus and I was seeing this story and I was like, I was so blown away because when I had been at BYU, it was just such a, it was not like a protest culture school. Mm -hmm. People were, it, it just felt very much like um, people go there to be obedient. And I mean, of course you, <laughs> you have some along the way who don't, but like <laughs> primarily people don't question things. Don't, you know what I mean? And, and yeah. I mean, it's, look, it's a great school. It's, there's a lot of educational value to be gained there, but um, because it's owned and operated by the uh, LDS church, you know, these sort of moral codes of conduct are put on that are maybe like stricter than at the university of Utah or some other state right. school, you know, it's not just about plagiarism, but it's about like your curfew, like how long you can hang out with people of the opposite sex before you have to go back to your own places, like when they're allowed to be in your apartment, like definitely no sex before marriage, definitely no drinking, no any of that. Um, and so, you know, and I think if you come into BYU, you kind of know like that's the environment and that's the culture. But but what these students were really protesting was actually the enforcement methods mm -hmm. of the of the honor code, not necessarily, you know, the code itself. Uh, and, and I was just blown away because I was like, wow, look at these students go. They're like standing up for themselves. Um, and I started to reflect on my own experience because I, you know, I went to BYU as sort of, um, a very devoted member of the LDS church. And while I was there is when I had sort of my own discovery process about like my sexuality and the fact that I was interested in women and I had my first girlfriend in like my final year there. And so I lived in fear of this thing all the time. It was the thing that could strip my degree away from wow. me after being there for four years. Um, and it was all like, if, if anyone found out about me and my girlfriend, like I could be turned in and then kicked out of school without uh, credits that were really super transferable to other universities. And this happened to some people that I know. And so I was watching these students protest this and I was like, oh my gosh, like when they tell you like, pick that one story, the thing that like only you can tell that you know so well, I was like, that's it. I have to tell this story about- You had that like, moment of this was it in that class or was that yeah. percolating? And then the teacher, Olivia, right? Olivia's her name, mm -hmm. um, was like, 
pick the thing that only you can do when you're like, that's it. What, what was the moment? Uh, no, I'm, and I think, I think I was searching for, well, what story do I want to tell? What should I write about? I mean, I feel like I knew that it was going to have like a queer lens on it because yeah. that's just my lens. But, um, but then I, I, so it had been sort of percolating in my mind, like what, what should I write? Cause I knew at the end of this class, our final sort of, um, project was supposed to be a tent, a completed short script, okay. like a tent, 10 page script. Um, so then this, I, I saw the story about this protest happening at BYU and I was like, Oh, there we go. Like that connects, like I can dig into that and talk about what it's like to sort of live in fear of that as like a queer student at BYU, uh, particularly a queer, um, female student at BYU and um and also in it there are layers of like the identity crisis that is that moment if you've been sort of if you've had this one belief system but then you learn something else about yourself yeah. uh and and then you know just took the the sort of interview slash interrogation that would happen in the honor code office. And I talked to a lot of my friends that had been through that process about like what the experience was like for them so that I could keep that as authentic as possible. And, um, and then we just, you know, sort of use that scene to talk about what that experience might be like. Wow. So you wrote this in that class, you came out with a 10 page short, mm -hmm. how much changed before you and, or how much time, <laughs> between the time you finished that to either developing it more or like yeah this. I can't remember exactly but I think it was like gosh because I was doing this play speaking of theater I was doing this play that year in like April and it was after that point so it was like maybe May or June that I had sort of like finished a draft that we were done with this class mm -hmm. and at that point because I already went into into it with the intention of like we're gonna make this Okay. Um, and then on during the play that I was in, I met my friend Lily Richards and her partner Caitlin Coombe, and um, I sort of wrote the one of the characters in the script for Lily. And then Caitlin, um, they both went to Emerson, and Caitlin went for producing, and she had produced okay. the web series that Lily and she made together, and she agreed to come on as a producer. And so then I started finding my people, you know what I mean? And so, so that was my next uh, question. Like, how did you yeah, go yeah, about yeah. discovering yeah. that? So that, like, that was it. So that's the other thing is you don't have to do it all on your own. Um, you have to do a lot of it on your own <laughs> yeah. because, because especially if you're working like scrappy, if you don't have like a lot of money it does take money like even if you're trying even these last two films that i just made for like on the like just a shoestring budget like we still we still spent money you know what i mean and, and so that's one of the things i think that's also makes it hard to start and so um you know like so you 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 do learn to do a lot yourself that otherwise it would be lovely to delegate out and hire out but um but you know i found this team and they were willing to come in and so if you can just find somebody who like compliments you and who has maybe a similar vision, who cares about the story too, um, you know, that's when we started, like I had, I had someone who knew more about how to make a film than I did yeah. on my team. And so uh, I attached to that and that was maybe like, uh, yeah, May, June, July. And then, 
yeah oh my gosh it must have been because then i remember we shot this um we found our dp and we shot this uh footage um in the summer of that year because i again didn't know anything about editing but just <laughs> did it anyway i just figured out over the course of the day how to put this little teaser together from our footage that we grabbed um and then i compiled that so that we could start a fundraising campaign so we were fundraising in october of that year and I used Seed and Spark, um, which I think is a really great platform. And I think everybody gets to do one crowdfunding campaign. In their career. <laughs> yeah. As some people do many and yeah. like are really have learned how to do it. Uh, it is a full-time job. Like, yes, you are going to then operate on, on the goodness of people's hearts and on these donations. But it's it's like you got to be <laughs> in people's faces. Like, yeah every day, all day for a month. And you're just like hoping that your relationships stay intact and people understand that, you know what I mean? It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's uncomfortable. You're stepping outside of your comfort zone to do that. But I do think it's a good way to get something off the ground, um, you know, for your, your first project. And so we use Seed and Spark and we raised, um, we met our goal there and then, uh, we just set up. How much did you we, try we to set our date from that? I think, I want to say my goal was $15,000 okay. and we raised 22. Yes. Look at you in the month of October. That was crazy, but I mean, it was a lot of hustling, but also you now that I've made also, I've made films for $2,000, <laughs> which I want to talk about. about. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I don't, I don't think it was like necessary, but it, it made me feel really good to be able to like pay everyone who works for me like a decent wage. You do run into like sometimes people are willing to work for favors, but they might not be willing to do it more than once or, um, you know, or you can trade or whatnot. And, and people, people jump ship way because yeah. when they uh, understandably so, because like something, a paying gig comes up and right. then you like start losing your crew. So it made me feel like uh, really, really one good about paying the people who were there um, for their craft. And then uh, two, it just kind of gave me that security of knowing that it wouldn't fall apart. Um, yeah. I mean, it will in some way or another, but yeah. it wouldn't fall apart because of that. Uh, but yeah, so that's, that's what we did. And then I, even still, I hadn't finalized the script at that point. Um, so yeah, I, I think I was just sitting on it going like, okay, I need, I know this needs revisions. And then it, 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 you start learning when you go into production, um, you can write the dream version of your script, but if it has like a cast of like 30 characters and then like, you know, part of it takes place on the moon or like yep. whatever, <laughs> then it's going to be more expensive to make. So ultimately, um, aside from like just streamlining um, and getting like right to the point of the movie, um, I also just needed to strip it down to two locations for that, for the sake of budget. And so that's kind of what that rewriting process was like. Ultimately, so I'd say I wrote the thing in May and we shot it in December. And before COVID hit, which would be March, we were pretty done, pretty well done with it. We did a few more things in post virtually after that. Um, but by June of the next year, I was submitting a finished 
yeah. film to festivals and whatnot. And then doing really yeah. well, doing really well on the festival <laughs> situation. Um, well, we got it. We got a lot of rejections too. I mean, but, clearly everything gets rejected at some yeah. point, but nobody talks about that. No. Except yeah. me. <laughs> well, no, but I think that's a real thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a real yeah, thing to sure. acknowledge. I'm not going to let you yeah. like sit in that because I want to no. give you the praise no. that you deserve. Thanks. But yeah, Thanks. I think for all of anything that we put out, there's going to be people that don't believe in it and then people that say, no, thank you. And Yeah. And, and for some film festivals, I mean, it's just part of the learning curve of doing this the first time. Like 15 minutes is, runs a little bit long for a mm -hmm. short film. And there were a lot of programmers who got back to us that didn't program the film that were like... We just didn't have the, the you know the what time. I mean? Like the time mm -hmm. to fit it into a block, but we loved your film. I was like, okay, there's another little bit that I learned, like aim for 10 minutes, 12 minutes. Yeah. With a yeah. short film in the future. So, if your goal, if your goal is to play at festivals, maybe. Do you feel that like that is a goal for you now? Yeah. 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 Because I think the festivals are what, led me to the next things that I did. It's just right. in terms of like marketing, especially for something like a short film, which is most likely not aiming for like a distribution deal. I mean, there's places, there's platforms, there's a lot of amazing platforms now um, where you, where your short film can live after you're done with a festival run. But um, you know, it's not the same as like the kind of distribution you're, you're looking for when you make a feature film. And um most for most people a short film is like a calling card uh because it's like here's what i can do um and so i think just festivals gave me the opportunity to put that in front of people to meet other filmmakers who may want to collaborate on something else uh moving forward and they're just a they're just a good time too yeah. you know what i mean like there's some really great festivals out there that that really celebrate their filmmakers um and make it an amazing experience for you. And I think after putting in the hard work uh, to make the film come to life, it's kind of nice to have those celebratory moments. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to not, not that I don't want to hear more about honor, but after this whole festival situation where you then reamped to be like, okay, this is having its moment. I need to turn out the next thing. Was it, actually, I've realized that I really love the directing and producing part of this. Like what made you then decide to continue creating and putting therefore more hats on as you did so? My, uh, my friend Dahlia, who is one of my primary collaborators now, um, she hit me up in, I guess last year it was 2021 about a film competition uh called collaboration filmmakers challenge <laughs> that's it um and it's uh, rather than like a 48 hour film festival um it's a two-week uh film competition so it's sort of like also nuts but a little more doable uh, <laughs> to make something from start to finish in that time. And she had done it before for a couple Do of years. Do you have to apply for the, like that, to be a slot in it? Or is it like anybody can do it and you then can you can just apply. sign up. Yeah, Got yeah, it. you can just sign up. Uh, and then you, there's sort of an entry fee to sign up. Um, you can sign up as a filmmaker if you want to like create a film or you can sign up as a key collaborator if you want to present yourself as a, um, 
you know, a cinematographer or a director or whatever you do, uh, you can also sign up in that regard and then go and just jump onto other people's films. Um, there's this big mixer at the beginning of it and they give you this quote, which you have, which has to inform your film in some way, um, which is, I guess, sort of how they try to keep it. Um, the, yeah. Or to, and also just to keep people honoring that two week, um, you know, because it'd be easy to just get a jump start and have a script ready to go when you mm. get there. And maybe some people do, but then once you get the quote, that might flip everything on its head. And so you have to sort of um, <clears throat> integrate that in some way. And then at this mixer, everybody meets each other and you find people who fill your crew or fill your, um, you know, your cast oh, cool. uh, or, or whatever. So she hit me up. And at that point, Honor had had its festival run and she had also made her a short film her first short film she has a very similar experience as me coming to LA as an actor and then just like making making shit happen uh, and so her first film she'd made shortly after I'd made mine and she hit me up and she was like hey I want to do this two-week thing would you be interested and I was like is that a moment where I was like when am I going to do the next thing? Like, it's the money thing. Like, can I ask for money again? Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I can or like whatever. And um, this was just a like say yes moment of just like, yes. And then two weeks later, like process it all because <laughs> you don't have time to think. Right. So that's, that's when we made Gen V. And uh, yeah, that one I was not in as an actor. So that was the first time that I directed and then that we co-produced. Um, and I was like, you know what? Just for this two-week competition, uh, yeah, let me just, let's do this. I'll focus on this and then okay. we can write you a role and I'll direct and that will help us like stay streamlined and be able to get this thing done. Uh, and so, yeah, that was the first time I had an experience like directing solely yeah. from the other side of the camera. Did you, and obviously, clearly you liked it because now you're doing it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I did. And it, um, it, see, that film opened up an opportunity for me to be, to have my name thrown in the hat for a directing job for a feature film. And those are those moments where you're like, oh man, like, mm -hmm. can I do this? Could I do this? And then you sit down with the script and you just go, well, okay, what's my take? How do I envision this? You start, like, you know what I mean? And by by the end of that, I went and sat down with this writer and had a pitch that I was super proud of. And you know what I mean? Like, it just, it just work begets work. And yeah. I just think if you just start, just find your, find your team and just start, um, it, it doesn't have to be perfect. The first thing right. you make, yes, yeah, strive for excellence, like absolutely by all means. But you're always going to level up. You know what I mean? So just wherever you are, start there. And um, yeah, and then that landed me this opportunity to have like uh, a very um, like serious sort of opportunity. Like I think I went all the way down to her final two pick for this, you know, for this job. So, and that was just because I all of a sudden, you know, like two years earlier, I was like, I'm not a director. And then, yeah, <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Have you been using the same monologue for years and could use a new piece? Are you applying to BA, BFA, or MFA programs and need a monologue for that process? 
Are you someone who simply has no idea where to search for monologues? Well, lucky for you, I do what is called monologue sourcing, in which I find monologues specifically chosen for you. So many artists use pieces based off external labeling for types and roles rather than find pieces sharing who they really are and what speaks to them. So we'll meet virtually together. You share who you are as a human, what you love, your dislikes, your values, beliefs, family, friends, love, politics, you name it. I will help guide you through this. And then I go off on my own and find you monologues chosen just for you that fit like a glove. I've been doing monologue sourcing for years as an extension of the coaching I do with artists, and I have found pieces in this way for over hundreds of artists thus far. So if you are someone who wants to feel empowered about the monologues you bring into rooms and use for auditions, I would love to help you find them. And because you are a dedicated listener of the Empowered Artist Collective podcast, I want to provide you with a custom link to an exclusive rate when you check out today. Head to empoweredartistcollective.com slash podcast promo to register. That's empoweredartistcollective.com slash podcast promo right now. I cannot wait to help you find monologues you absolutely adore. I mean, this is not a fair question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Of the producer, actor, director, writer, hats, at the moment, which one are you favoring? Or which one are you feeling the most copacetic with at the moment? It's a good word. Um, I, I think it's still actor. Okay. Because that's just, that's just what I love. Yeah. But I have fallen in love with the like ownership aspect of being the creator Mm -hmm. um and I don't know you know there's probably several actors listening to this it's it's just one of those things like you get auditions like this is all you ever wanted to do and then you get an audition yay and then you get the script and you're like this is bad you know what I mean like so much stuff that you audition for is bad and I think just like making something to your own taste that you think is good that you think you know what i mean like is a story that you think matters like chances are you're gonna find its audience and they think it matters too you know what i mean and and i think or or even just like finding a tone like a humor things that you think are funny you know like i just think um there's so much freedom in doing that and if you ever do want to direct and act because the the film we made after gen v we did that competition again this year okay. uh, it's called clean slate and i was like you know what this year i want to be in it um and i would do both i would do both again um i hope that i have a career that includes both mm-hmm. um moving forward but i i do think that um you know my heart still loves to like jump inside of a, a role and yeah yeah in terms of the technical part of, or like the tool aspect of like how one creates, what have you found <laughs> along the way were some things that you A, wish you knew earlier or like you found yourself in a position where you're like, oh, I don't know when I'm making this up and now this next time now I have this. Were there any particular moments in any of these capacities that you kind of had that for yourself? So many times. Yeah. Um all the time, like still, I, I do think, well, one, I would love to start with like, don't let that be the reason you don't do it. And you don't start 
Um, Because I had zero ideas about how to make a film when I began. And I, so other people, like you're going to eventually get a crew together and those people know what they're doing and they know what their jobs are. So eventually you're going to have to find somebody to shoot it. So you're going to have a director of photography and that cinematographer, they have worked on their craft and they know what they're doing. So it's okay to go to, to not, cause I was like, well, I don't know what to tell them about. Like, I don't know how to make a shot list. Like right. is this medium, like super wide, like ultra close. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what lenses we're using. Right. He, I didn't even know what the difference between anamorphic and spheric was. And he was like, do you think we want to go like anamorphic, anamorphic or spheric? And I was like, like, what does that mean? And mm-hmm. he's like, Oh, like, square or rectangle (laughs) which there's so much more to it than that (laughs) but that's the way my brain understands it right and so you know i i just leaned on him and so we you can get together with somebody who knows what they're doing and be like okay so in this scene here's what matters and you can use your storytelling the thing you know right use that and go like this is where we need to feel like the intimacy between them. Mm-hmm. This is where we need to feel more of a sterile environment. And then they know what to do. You know what I mean? Like yeah. directing is sometimes just having people like filling a room with people who are good at what they do Yeah, and late and leaning on them. So one, don't be afraid to start Two, Yes. I have learned. I now know what anamorphic means and what spheric means. Of course, <laughs> there's like things like that, that you pick up along the way. Um, uh, we had a crazy experience with, um, sound uh in in honor which okay. was that some of it just disappeared <laughs> that oh, we had recorded no. in our first day yeah um our our sound recordist was working with some equipment that she'd never used before and um you know just things like double check and make sure you got everything cuz then we went the majority of um the issues in our post process were trying to ADR, the stuff that we had lost. And we had the, you know, we got in some studios, we figured it out. And it was this sort of, we had lost this one super long rambling monologue in which like half the time my head was turned away from camera. And so I had to like match up exactly like what, like what matched the lips, but then also keep going and match again when my head turned. It was just like wild. Yeah. It was a wild experience and we got it. We still did it. It was just like sat there for hours, like staring at my face <laughs> on the screen with these headphones like this with a mic and just trying to nail it. And we got it and you, you would stare at it and you couldn't tell yeah. that anything was wrong with it. And still it just felt like it wasn't from that room because it wasn't. Yeah. You know what I mean? And we, he, we had an amazing sound designer who's blending in the room tone and like doing everything. Like it just still felt like it wasn't there. And so we ultimately came up with a different solution to just cut it all together and tie the, tie the scene together. In, in my film, it cuts back and forth between these two places, between a room she's in in the present and then her memories of like what happened that got her there and so we just cut back to me in the room and recorded some voiceover. And then you just, because she was constantly mm-hmm. in that memory. And so it just worked for that. So I don't know, things like that. Just like double check, make sure you get room tone. People always forget that. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it, that's, that's the thing is that it's just like when you learn this way, rather than just going to school and learning from like class, it really is all just sort of 
symbiotic is that the word that i'm trying to find what does that mean symbiotic means that it, it like each thing relies on the other thing yeah 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 so it just sort of like one thing flows from from one thing to another and you're just like it sort of sinks in in a different mm -hmm. way than like learning it from a textbook you know what i mean not yeah. that that's what film school is film school is very practical but you know it's just um i don't even think i could like name all of the things that I know now. I think if, if somebody pointed out to me, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I totally didn't know that when I started and now I do. Yeah. And there's a bazillion things I still have yet to learn. Do you find as you've continued going through this that your confidence has changed? <laughs> or what do you feel about you as you enter into these rooms, clearly having learned on the job and learned well on the job to continue getting and developing you know, more projects, but how have you felt as you continue moving into this new sphere coming from where you started? I mean, um, like, yes and no. Yes, I have. Yes, because I've done it now. And because uh, things I've made have like received awards and accolades and things like that help, right? And you're like, oh, hey, like, other people think it's good too, you know, mm -hmm. or, or maybe you weren't sure if it was good, but then you then you got something and they're like, oh, okay, like somebody thinks it's good. Uh, and, and so, uh, yes, in that regard, like I'm not scared to take on a project again. I'm like, okay, I know like we've got a crew, we've got a team, we've got people we work with now. We're going to continue to meet new people who will be incredible collaborators. Um, I, I have the confidence to do it again because I've done it before. Uh, and yet there is like never an end to that imposter syndrome, I think. Um, like I definitely have moments of like, I, I don't know. I just think anybody I've ever talked to, like you level up mm -hmm. and then you get there and that's a level that where you were before, like you would look up to, right? You'd be mm -hmm. like, oh, someday, like look at so-and-so who's at this level. Like if only I could just be there. And then you get there because you do the thing, right? And then you're going to these like film festivals or to these things. And then you see somebody who's made like all of these feature films and they have a star in their film or they have this and you know what I mean? There's yeah. just always, and, and then they start speaking to you to you in language that you're like, uh, mm -hmm. like, I don't know that terminology because I didn't go to school for this or whatever. And so then you have that moment of like, ah, oh, what am I doing here? Like, I don't know anything. And then you, you constantly, it's it's just a, I think the battle yeah. of anything and just, it's so important to take care of yourself and be good to yourself. But what do you do in those moments for you? Clearly sometimes, you're aware of it, you know? Yeah. Oh, totally. Totally. Uh, I, I mean, sometimes I just have a complete meltdown mm -hmm. and I get, <laughs> and I go there and like, uh, and then on the other side of it, you know, you wake up, you shake it off and and you have a good community, have a system of support in your life, hopefully, whether it's, you know, family, parents, chosen family, partners, your own collaborators, you know, whatnot. Um, and then, and, and then too, I think, you know, after you've done that a few times, maybe like when you can feel one coming on, you can then check in with yourself and remind yourself like, oh yeah, I felt this way before. But then I made another film and people really liked it and it meant something to some people and um, I'm proud of it. So like, 
there's, I think it's just, there's like that, that perfectionism mentality that like I've struggled with my whole life, which is that you're standing at letter A and all you see is letter Z Yeah, and you just want to like be there and you're not giving yourself the grace to like walk through the whole alphabet and just take Mm -hmm. the steps it takes to get there, you know? And I think that it's just like, you know, really important to remind yourself that like everyone, nobody was born Steven Spielberg. Steven Spielberg was born Steven Spielberg, but he wasn't, (laughs) he didn't win an Oscar straight out of the womb. You know what I mean? So like, and also it's, just remembering that come letter yeah. G, if you didn't, you know, continue on the alphabet, you wouldn't have met this current collaborator. And then you wouldn't have, you know, like 100%. you need the other letters to complete the full alphabet. Yeah. But it also reminds me, I watched um, that JLo documentary on Netflix. I think it's called Halftime. Um, mm-hmm. I, I appreciate JLo. She's not like, you know, I'm not like JLo. But I was like, okay, this Netflix clearly thinks I'd enjoy this. So I should probably watch it. Thank you, algorithms. And so mm-hmm. I watched it. And I guess I didn't know the intricacies of, you know, her experience with the movie Hustlers and mm. how she thought that this was going to be the vehicle through which she is fi- she'll finally a get nominated for an Oscar but certainly win an Oscar. And you know, it, it kind of relates to what you're saying and that we forget that even people who are at the quote unquote top of the game are not are being rejected. I mean, it's clearly like, oh, she oh. didn't get nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, like, yeah, sorry, yeah. so must be awful. For oh, yeah. But, but for her, that was like the next leveling up of her career, and she was nominated for a Golden Globe. She thought she was gonna like. People kept talking about it, and then she didn't even get nominated for the Oscar. And this whole dream and the people propelling her around her, saying, "This is gonna happen for you. Of course, this is your moment." Yeah, like, and then she has the full letdown of, "Oh no, I'm not even. I'm not even given the opportunity to be nominated for it, let alone win right. it." And it's yeah. like, oh, right, just because you're playing at this level up here, it doesn't mean that you get all the things that you want either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, totally. And you'll, also, you'll often meet people that are at that level too that sometimes you they'll level with you and they'll be like, yeah, every day I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's It doesn't end. And so just like check that and go anyway. Yeah. We talked anyway. about this on, on an earlier episode with Jazz Hall and just – you know, this idea that in some ways imposter syndrome or the words around imposter syndrome, well, first of all, like if we were to unpack imposter, like already like, or a syndrome, like just the words themselves are such a wild <laughs> labeling really. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. you know, that every single person is susceptible to feeling those things. And that in some mm-hmm. way that actually can be a unifier, really, if you recognize totally. that you're walking into a room and every single person from wherever they are in their, their life is entering with that in some way. It's like, oh, no, 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 no. I know I feel alone right now, but truly everybody knows what this feeling is for themselves. Yeah. Um, it's not a solution, but I've found it to be a little yeah. bit more helpful. Oh, 100%. And it starts to feel that way the more you get out there and just open your mouth and talk to people. Yeah. Um, and you you will learn things that you didn't know, you know, just by going and doing the thing. Um, also, you know more than you think already. Yeah. Like, no, I couldn't open Premiere and cut my own film. But when I sat in an editing session, I understood the beats and I understood the timing and I understood what mattered to the story. Mm-hmm. And I knew how to communicate that to my editor. And that's all you have to do to be able to finish the film. You know what I mean? Yeah. And also, if you want to learn to edit so that you can make your own film and you, on a budget and you don't have the budget to hire an editor or don't have a, you know, a friend to call for a favor in that regard, like... I, YouTube, like yeah. you can just get a, the software 
Resolve software is free. DaVinci Resolve is free. And you can sit there with YouTube. I mean, if you're devoted to, you know what I mean? And, mm -hmm. the, and then all of a sudden, you can shoot it on your iPhone. What was it? Tangerine was shot on an iPhone, I think. I think. Um, you know, there's, there's just things. Like, if you want to, my friend made a web series that was shot on an iPhone. She edited it herself. Um, you know, they, they did certain things to elevate the production. I mean, I, th I think she had to, sound is important. She had to, so that's where they put their money was into hiring a sound recordist and mixer. But, you know, like you don't have to have like a super full crew. Like you can make things with a smaller crew. Like you just, you just need a camera. You need good sound. You need good light. Is that how you did the 2001 that you were just talking about? However many. Well, so, so, okay. So here's the thing with those is that, that those were part of this collaboration filmmakers challenge. So a lot of our crew, we got from the people participating in that. Mm -hmm. So that was sort of a little bit different. Cause there's just this environment of like, yeah, you're going to come and jump on. You're not going to expect payment. We'll feed you, but and we'll credit you. But like, also I'm going to help you with your film. And also, right. you know what I mean? So that was more of that. That's like the vibe of that competition. Mm -hmm. uh, though I think, you know, we, there's certain roles you, we, we couldn't fill from that. You know, it, it was easy to find maybe um, other actors mm -hmm. um, and, you know, maybe I think we got our editor through that, but you know, it, grip and gaff, all your camera crew, like they, those aren't usually the people who are at those events, though we did find it amazing to see who to work for the rest of my life. And I can't wait to like have money to pay her next time. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that, that it does happen. So I don't know. I think we ended up paying our makeup artists because you need to, they have a kit, they're using their materials. You need to at least cover that. Um, uh, we maybe paid a colorist for Gen V. There's certain things, you know what I mean? So it's not like mm -hmm. we, we had to spend some money. We had to each year we rented one of our locations and then we used a free location. Um, uh, you know, you, you do what you can. There's like little bits, but it makes it more manageable. Yeah. 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 As we begin to wrap up our time, um, I know I kind of asked a version of this, but is there anything just generally that you wish you knew as an artist overall when you were younger starting out transitioning into different parts of your career that you feel would be a helpful share for anybody listening um one like nobody's gonna do it for you so decide what it is you want and then map out your abc you know what i mean uh break it down into tangible steps Two, because uh, I, I used to think like, oh, as soon as I have an agent, like that's the silver yeah. bullet. Or as soon as I have, you know, this or if only I was this, like it, it, it's just not like just <laughs> if you have something to say, if you have a story to tell, sit down with your computer. I don't even care if you have Final Draft or whatever. There is a free software program for screenwriting called, I think it's spelled C-E-L-T-X. Um, or, you know, if you feel like, splurging for the final draft that's sort of the industry standard even you can open up microsoft word just start putting words on a paper you know you can pick up a book you can youtube story structure um but just start writing i i think so one nobody's going to make it happen for you and two i think this is particularly for people um who've had a path of maybe like formal acting conservatory style training programs um 
you learn so much there. You learn about story. You learn how to bring it to life. You learn how to heighten stakes. You learn how to do all the things that you need to know how to do to tell a story there. And that's amazing. And yet sometimes in those programs, there's a very like stay in your lane mentality. Cause right. If you're, if you're say you're hired for a theater production and you're an actor, there's a director, there's a stage manager. There are words that you're bound to, right? Mm -hmm. Like there is a job and, and yes, you should be directable. You should be a good collaborator. You should, you, you know, but I think it's drilled so much into your mentality. And I think that was one of the biggest hurdles I had to overcome was just, I had gone through so much of that, that I was like, no, I'm not a writer. I'm an interpreter of mm. someone else's words. No, I'm not a director. I am supposed to be directable, you know, and I'd sort of taken on this like role of what the actor's job is and devoted myself to it. And then when I wanted to create my own work, I had a really hard time because I had sort of like identified with this path. And so I think just anything you can do, yes, won't it be amazing when someday you're hired on a production and all those roles are in place and you can just do your one thing. But it is also like that there's a time and a place for that. And it's an incredible thing to be a part of like a well-oiled machine like that, that feels very, hopefully you feel very like valued as a collaborator in that environment. But also there's so much like reward for putting on a bunch of hats and just making something happen, you yeah. know? And I think that is something I would just advise to like, you know, check and just check in with yourself and have some awareness and like, yeah, maybe you don't want to write. Maybe, maybe you have a story to tell. Maybe you have an idea, but you'd rather give it to someone else. That's okay too. But if you do, or you want to direct, you can learn anything. Yeah. You know, you don't have to just do the one thing that you went to school for. I love it. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for sharing so openly and going on this wild journey with me yeah, <laughs> during our time together. If people wanted to check out the work that you have created or they want to collaborate with you in some capacity or they just simply want to like follow along on your it. journey, what are some of the ways in which people can reach out to you um, respectfully within your own boundaries? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can find me on Instagram, which is just my name with an underscore in the middle. L-A-U-R-E-N underscore N-O-L-L. -L. Um, yeah, I would love to hear from folks. Just pop into my DMs if you have any questions or want to chat about something or you're like, hey, I live in LA and I do this. Mm -hmm. um, I I mean, yeah, I I make movies and I'm never going to stop. So I I always want to find more people to collaborate with. If you and, need somebody to like come yeah. out and, and join you in LA who like has local housing, just give me a holler. Or I'll be there. Yeah, I know we should do something for real. We should make something. <laughs> um, yeah, I would love, I would love to hear from folks. Perfect. And I don't think any of my, actually none of my films are available publicly online, but if there's anything I talked about that strikes anybody's interest, you can always reach out to me for a screener. We love. Privately. Yeah. We love. Thank you so much. Yay. Of course. Thank you. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. <laughs> what a wonderful reminder that you know more than you think you know. 
for me, it was really helpful to be reminded of that in this episode, in addition to all of the other things that we talked about. And as always, this episode is here for you when and if you ever need it. With that said, if you like this episode, please like, follow, rate, and most importantly, review us. This allows us to continue having these types of conversations to meet other artists. If you did not like this episode, just let it all slide. If you have not already done so, please follow us on Instagram at Empowered Artist Collective, on TikTok at Empower Artist Collective, on our website at empoweredartistcollective.com, and if you're seeking some merch, you can find it in our show notes. As always, I am so grateful that you keep on coming back, and we will be back again next week. Until then.